Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead. Come along with us on our journey from a small suburban homestead lifestyle to our new lifestyle homesteading in the rural countryside of Southern Arizona. We'll share with you our tips, tricks, successes, and failures from both our past suburban lifestyle to our new rural lifestyle, all all on on the the Two Acre Acre Homestead. Homestead. Well, we're super excited to have Sarah Withers with us here in the studio. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being a willing participant to be interviewed here on the Two Acre Homestead. Thank you so, so much for coming here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Yeah, no problem. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into dairy goats? What what prompted that? Have you always kept dairy goats? Tell us a little bit about your background, because we would love to hear it. Sure thing. So I am Sarah. I'm married to my husband, Zach, and we have three little ones, and we live on a two-acre homestead in the greater Phoenix area of Arizona. We have not always had dairy goats. We've not always done the homestead sort of life. Um, I was raised in suburbia, so was my husband. Always loved animals, um, but definitely never really dreamed of taking um, this path in life. Um, I'd say it all sort of stemmed back to before we moved here, we lived on a little tiny, um, lot in the city in a townhouse with a teeny tiny backyard. And we were vegan at the time. So it's actually health food choices that kind of led us down this like rocky path to where we are now. Um, we were vegan for health reasons, not for, you know, ethical reasons necessarily. Um, But I had friends who had chickens and I just thought they were the cutest things ever. And I loved animals. And I thought, well, we could fit a couple chickens in our tiny little backyard. So chickens are the gateway animal for so many people I know. Um, I don't know if that's true for you too, Lisa, Mm -hmm. but yeah, chickens are the way to go. So we got two little silky chickens and we loved them and we started eating their eggs. And um, around that time, Justin Rhodes had started his YouTube channel and there were others out there. I started reading Joel Salatin's books and we just gradually started to feel like the path that we had been on with our food choices was not the best for our health. Um, We started to have some health problems associated with that. And so we just felt like, okay, getting real um, homegrown food, nutrient rich animal foods into our diet was important. And we had our first little daughter at the time. Um, and then shortly after that, I had my second daughter and, um, was struggling with some postpartum depression after having her and got into gardening through that as a way to kind of, um, just get centered and focused. And, uh, it was really wonderful. So we added more and more chickens we added rabbits, we added a garden, and pretty soon our little tiny backyard was pretty maxed out. Um, <laughs> we were looking, I was trying to convince my husband we could fit a goat back there. And he was like, I think our neighbors are going to notice if you know we have a, a goat back there all of a sudden. Um, I did have a friend at the time who had dairy goats. And so I was familiar with that. I didn't really love them, but um, I loved the idea of having animals like that. And um, as I started just learning more about homesteading, I felt like having a deer animal would be really awesome and really great for our health. Um, you know, once you start down that real food, grass fed, everything pastured sort of 
um, desire for your family's health and for their diet uh, gets real, or you kind of have to do it yourself. And so that's kind right. of where we found ourselves is wanting to um, be able to have these kinds of really wonderful food products in our lives um, and not really being in a place to afford that being a single income family. My husband was a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. it was pretty tight. And so um, we started looking for ways that we could achieve homesteading um, and move out of where we were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, my family, my parents um, also ended up desiring to move around that time. And we found a mutually beneficial kind of agreement and ended up selling our little property and moving to a two-acre homestead in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona. And when we first moved here, we did not do the smart thing. Um, I think you should kind of start slow, but we were so excited. So we bought (laughs) two full-size Jersey dairy cows before we even moved in. So we started right off the bat with um, Jersey dairy cows and wow. then along the way switched to goats. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's exciting. And you know, yeah. what's funny is I think all of us as homesteaders, we can all relate to the fact that you jump in all fours yes. when you move into your property. But let's tease this out just a, for a few minutes here. What made you um, switch from having the cows, the Jersey cows, to a, a smaller animal such as goats. Yeah. So it was kind of a multifaceted reason and it took some time. So we started with the two Jersey cows and they're, I mean, Jersey cows are just the sweetest looking things in the entire world. I loved them. I loved their sweet little faces and mm-hmm. um, they were they were good cows. One of them, well, one of them wasn't. And we ended up selling her pretty soon after she freshened because I realized pretty quickly we were in over our heads um, and she was not trained to be milked and um, oh. it just wasn't a good fit. So um, mm-hmm. we sold her pretty quickly. The other cow was an old hand and so she was great. Um, but in the meantime, while we were waiting, because we bought two cows that were not even bred. So don't do that, folks. If you go to buy a, a dairy cow, don't get a unbred cow that um, has no and is not in milk. So there was um, a long waiting period before yeah. she was going to even give birth. Um, yeah. We were very fortunate that they did take right away when we bred them, um, which isn't always the case. But in any case, um, I realized pretty quickly that we were going to still have to be buying milk and be feeding these large animals for a good 10 months or so. And so um, we got a little dairy goat in the meantime to keep us in milk. And I didn't know a whole lot about dairy goats at the time, but we really lucked out. She's just, she's still my favorite goat. She's the best. Um, So she was a mini Nubian Uh dairy goat. And that's actually what I breed for now. We can talk maybe more about that later. Why? But um, so we got her and she was great. And we kind of eased into milking that way, which was wonderful. I highly recommend um you know, easing in with a smaller dairy animal, even if you plan to go cows down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, But it ended up being really fortunate that we had a dairy goat in addition to our cows, even after our cows had their babies and we were uh, milking them because as it turned out, one of my daughters um, at the time, and then also now my son, who's since been born, um, they can't actually consume cow's milk without dietary issues, you know, without, um, 
eczema oh, and wow. other, you know, food sensitivity problems. Mm-hmm. Um, even raw cow's milk, they just can't do it. Even the A2 stuff. So wow. um, goat milk, they could do great on though. They really thrived on the milk and we loved mm-hmm. it. Um, goat milk does not have to taste super goaty. If anyone out there is wondering, it can be absolutely wonderful. Um mm-hmm. Tastes just like cow's milk, um, super creamy and rich and delicious and sweet. So mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the biggest reason why we ended up switching. We did both for um, a few years where I was mm-hmm. milking the goat and the cows. Um, but just over the years kind of started to feel like this is ridiculous. <laughs> why am I spending so much time? I was making cheese and all of our dairy products with the cow's milk primarily. Um, but my two of my kids couldn't eat or drink those things. And so I was having to make two of everything and it just got kind of absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, Cows are also very, can be very expensive to keep when you're on a small property and you're feeding hay year round, which we were. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just started to feel like this, this isn't the best idea. So we were really grateful to our cow. She gave us an abundance of milk and babies and um, I was so grateful for the learning experience, but we ended up um, back in 2021, mm-hmm. we ended up selling her. Um, we traded her actually um, to a rancher um, for a full-grown steer. <laughs> and so it ended up working out really well. So we got some beef and we sold her. Mm-hmm. We just had our little dairy goat at the time. Um, and we added a few more and a couple more bucks. And I think now I believe last count, I have 16 at the moment, um, but six of them are pregnant. So we are lovely. We are a bit overrun with goats around here. (laughs) You know, goats are like uh, chips. You just can't have one. You have to have more. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. So this is, this is actually really interesting because you don't get a chance to meet people who make that switch. Um, And I really love the fact that you're talking about um, and explaining to us because of the dietary issue. I know even myself personally, sometimes um, cow's milk will affect eczema mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just, you know, a fact of life. But goat's milk, on the other hand, seems to be more friendly sometimes for those those of us with with eczema. So that's actually a really, um, a really interesting dynamic there. Yeah, now, absolutely. Goat's milk has a smaller fat globule. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other aspects about it too. It is always a two, um, mm-hmm. you know, cows, it's kind of hit or miss depending on the breed and the breeding practices of the farmers. Um, but goat's milk is always a two plus it has that smaller fat globule and it just is a more similar, similar, chemical makeup to human breast milk. And so it's just a lot more easily digestible for humans. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. So, so you, you went ahead and you made the switch. You, you traded out the cow, your Jersey cow for steer and you got the wonderful beef and, um, we are all about that here on this homestead as well. Um, and so kudos to that. And now you have 16 dairy goats. So what are your animal management practices when it comes to 
raising your goats? I mean, like when you first started off, because you didn't start off with 16, I know there's babies involved. So (laughs) how did you start off growing your herd? Um, And you said that you also chose Nubian, mini Nubians. Can you explain what your thought process was behind mini Nubians and then how you grew your herd? Absolutely. So um, initially I knew someone else who had many Nubian goats. That's how I was familiarized with the breed. Um, but the more I learned about them, the more I realized that was what I really wanted to go for. Um, since we were switching to goats, I kind of had an opportunity to think it through. What do we want on our homestead? Um, and our first goat was a mini Nubian. Um, mini Nubians are a cross between a Nubian, um, which is a larger breed of dairy goat with the big floppy ears and then a Nigerian dwarf, which is probably the more popular um, breed in the homestead world these days, um, a small dairy goat. And so what you get with a mini Nubian, you get the hybrid strength, um, which if anyone is familiar with livestock um, or even plants, hybrids, they just have a a hardiness that's really awesome. (laughs) So you get that hybrid strength with them. You also get um, a goat that's going to produce a lot more milk than a Nigerian dwarf typically does. So much depends on the individual animal and the goals of the breeders. Um, But typically, my mini Nubians give around a gallon a day um, of milk. And they're in a smaller package, though, which is nice. (laughs) They don't require nearly as much feed as a standard Nubian. They're really easy to handle. Um, I like the bucks are still a small size, so it's I can handle them totally on my own, no problem. Um, So I like that about the mini Nubians. Um, They're also a lot less prone to mastitis because they don't give quite the volume. A standard Nubian can give two gallons a day easy, typically. Um, And that's a lot of milk (laughs) for a a smaller animal. They're a lot smaller than a cow. Um, and so I just liked all of those factors with the mini Nubians. They're also an up and coming breed, um, which can be nice to get on the head of things like that. If you're trying mm-hmm. to sell the offspring, um, I do register my goats and that helps with being able to track their lineage and genetics, as well as being able to sell them at a higher price point. Um, and so there are, um, registries that will register mini Nubians. So we really like them a lot. Um, nice. The way that we grew our herd, so we started with just the one mini Nubian. Um, You should not just have one goat. (laughs) They're a herd animal. They really need, they need a buddy. So pretty soon after that, we ended up going back and getting her um, a little friend. Um, And so we kept two goats. We were milking both of them. Um, The one had a lot more Nigerian dwarf in her. And we just realized that that wasn't really the way we wanted to go. So um, eventually we did sell her, but um, when we sold our cow, that's when we realized we wanted to grow our herd a bit. And I happen to have a friend who's also a wonderful mentor to me. Her name is Victoria. Um, she lives not too far away from me and she had mid our Nubian dairy goats, standard Nubians, and she made cheese with their milk. Um, but she was getting up in years and decided she was ready to kind of put a halt to all of the goat dairying on her property and was looking for a great home for them. So we have a bit of an arrangement. I give her milk every week mm-hmm. and she gave me um, her two standard Nubian dairy goats. I bought a mini Nubian buck. And so now I have a couple of them, but when you breed a Nubian 
uh, dairy goat to a mini Nubian, the offspring is mini Nubian. Um, so they have the great breed character that we're looking for, not to get mm-hmm. too technical, but you want them to look like a Nubian goat, just smaller. So mm-hmm. you get that kind of right off the bat when you have standard Nubians as the mothers. So one of those goats is retired now. Um, one of them is heading that direction, but I have uh-huh. um, some of their offspring. So we ended up having basically three does and two bucks. And then from there, we've just grown out our herd, um, keeping a few of the babies every year. Awesome. You know, you had mentioned um, your friend, Victoria, and I I just recently saw a post from you. Um, I think it was the same person. Um, Yeah, she, I I think she, you had said, well, and you just said literally, but in the post, I think you had said she was a mentor to you and a Mm -hmm. friend. And when I saw that post, I thought that was just the most precious thing in the world. And as a side note um, to you, the listener, Go on over into Instagram if you haven't already and follow Sarah. Um, go ahead and follow her. We'll put the links in the show notes uh, so that you can go ahead and follow her on Instagram. But um, what I had observed in that post is that she's a little bit older than you. And I just thought that was the most precious thing in the world. You know, our friends, we can always have friends who are the same age as us. That's easy. But to have somebody who's older than you as a friend is beautiful and a blessing. Um, Yeah. And so was your friend, Victoria, was she the person who actually mentored you with the dairy goats? Or how is it that you started learning about how to care for your dairy goats? Sure. So it is such a blessing to have um, a friend who's also further ahead in life and in homesteading or whatever your passions are. And Victoria Mm -hmm. certainly is that to me. She's been a huge help um, in growing my herd and um, especially in understanding a lot of the confirmation and other things that you look for when you're breeding animals. She knew a lot about that. She knows lots about making cheese. She's been making it for a long time. So she's the one who originally taught me to make cheese. Um, I also learned so much just from books, from YouTube, from the internet, (laughs) from all Mm -hmm. kinds of things. I find it helpful to specifically look um, for others who have the same breed of goat as you, because, um, you know, there is there are sort of certain standard things that apply to all goats, but then there's a lot just within the the niche of the breed that is helpful to know. So um, Green Gables, um, I think it's just greengables.com. That's one of the um, first herds out there that really started um, diving into breeding mini Nubians. And so there's a lot of helpful articles and information on there if anyone's interested in this breed of goat. Um, other than that, lots of books. I love um, holistic holistic goat care. I want to say it's called by Gianicles Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, my Bible when it comes to dairy goats, mm-hmm. um, there's stories, the guides. And, yeah, that's a wonderful <laughs> yeah, one. I do. It's a good book. Yeah. It's great. It's very <laughs> thorough. Um, mm-hmm. so those are kind of, those were my go-to resources. Um, and then a lot of just trial and error. Um, you know, when, when you have enough animals or you do it for enough years, you run into problems. You just do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had to call the vet out many a time, but I actually am always really grateful for those um, situations because I always walk away having learned something. And I really try to make the most of that time when I do have to call a vet out and I'll ask him about a million questions. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we're very hands-on. 
Um, we try to do a lot of stuff ourselves. So um, yeah, just lots of on the job learning, I guess. That's awesome. And I think it's true for most of, you know, most things homesteading, you're just, sometimes you just have to just dive in and see if you're going to swim. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Now, so we've established that you already have your herd and now, you know, it's wonderful to have all of these goats and I'm sure our listeners are thinking this is awesome. (laughs) What, tell us what all do you do with this milk um, besides drink it? What are the things that you do with the milk that's produced on your homestead? Sure. So um, we do sell some of our milk. Um, and I know laws vary from place to place here. Right. Um, I'm able to sell for pet consumption and people can do whatever they want with the milk when they get home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a, quite a bit of that actually, which is helpful. And I love being able to help others. I've had so many moms come to me and say, my baby's eczema is gone now because we're giving them goat milk instead of cow milk. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be able to pro- provide that niche, um, especially since there's no other way to get raw goat milk in Arizona. There are no raw goat milk dairies out here that I know of anyway. Um, it's more of a niche sort of ob- uh, sub. Yeah. What am I looking for? What's the word I'm trying to say? It's no, more it- of a a niche sort of um, thing to be able to sell. Yeah. Uh, is, but in yeah. addition to that, it's really important to me that if we have dairy animals, um, I want to be able to provide all or most of my family's dairy needs with that. So I do make um, lots of cheese and I teach people how to make cheese as well in an online course and on YouTube. Um, in addition to that, we make a lot of yogurt. We have not ventured into making butter with the goat milk yet. You can, you need a cream separator and a lot of milk to do it. So, so far, um, I think that would be more of a novelty thing. I'm happy to buy in butter from some um, reputable companies, but um, yeah, lots of butter, uh, or sorry, lots of uh, yogurt and cheese and cream cheese and um, Chev, you know, the soft goat cheese mm-hmm. that everyone thinks of when they think of goats. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And then drinking lots of it too. Nice. And how long has it taken you to learn how to do this? I should say. Well, I really, um, I'm kind of a go-getter when it comes to this sort of thing. So I had an interest in making lots of things from scratch, um, for as long as I've been married, really, I've been trying to learn how to cook really well. Um, when I had a friend who had goats, she would give me milk from time to time and I would make um, just simple farmer's cheese where you just add lemon juice and salt and end up with kind of a, mm-hmm. a curd and mm-hmm. that's tasty and fun. Um, and then when we had cows, uh, again, that was really important to me to learn to make our family's dairy products. That's actually how I met Victoria. I was looking for someone, anyone to um, really make cheese for me. I felt like I didn't have the time I wanted to learn. I was making butter and other things with our cow's milk, but I felt like if I could just find someone to do that part for me and I would pay them or pay them in milk or something. And she thought that I could probably learn how to do it. So that's how I learned to make cheese initially was Victoria kind of took me under her wing and taught me to make, um, cheese with our cow milk. And then I really dove into that and, Uh Um, found every free recipe and every cheese book I could and really taught myself how to make cheese with the cow's milk. And then when we switched to goats, there's a lot of nuances with goat milk that make it a little trickier to make cheese with. You absolutely can. You can make 
pretty much any kind of cheese um, with any kind of mammal milk. Um, so it's very doable, but there was a lot of trial and error in figuring out the very best ways to change recipes up to make them really suitable for goat milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just lots of practice. Like you said, you just got to dive in sometimes and not be afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had very few cheeses be so bad that we couldn't eat them. <laughs> you know, you might end up with something a little different than you were going for. Um, yeah, this is true. if you're willing to learn and, and play around with um, ingredients in the kitchen, then it's doable for absolutely everybody. Exactly. Now, here's another question for you. Some people have an aversion to goat's milk anything mm-hmm. because the first thing that's going to come out of their mouth, and I'm pretty sure you're going to guess this question, <laughs> oh, the milk, it tastes so, well, goaty. Goaty, yes. <laughs> yes. So... What is what is your response when when you hear somebody say that? And I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot here with no, that. Not but at all. what is your response when you hear people say, Oh, it tastes too goaty? Yes. Well, usually I tell people my goat milk doesn't taste goaty. And you have to kind of explain because most people, when they're talking about milk that tastes goaty, they've had it from a grocery store. So it's a pasteurized mm-hmm. product. And pasteurized milk in general just doesn't taste as good as raw milk. Sometimes there's an adjustment to a flavor, right? But um, it's cooked milk. I mean, it's not the greatest taste in the world. Um, Goat milk in particular, because it is um, a different molecular makeup than cow milk, it is more digestible for us. That also makes it just a more fragile milk. And so it is more susceptible to changes in flavor um, through excessive heat um, or through not handling it very well. So um, if you don't pasteurize it and you handle it well, meaning you're rapid chilling the milk, which is what everyone should be doing to achieve right. the, the best quality product, the safest, you know, raw milk, um, you should be rapid chilling it, um, that your goats are getting a balanced mineral um in their diet and that they're eating some alfalfa hay that helps with adding sweetness. Um, just that they're healthy animals, right? There's no mastitis going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that you're using glass and stainless steel, um, sorts of containers when you're dealing with the goat milk, um, and just keeping everything super clean, not sterile. I always tell my cheese making students, we're not going for sterile because that means lifeless, right? But we Mm -hmm. are going for sanitary. You want, you want things to be nice and clean. So use your dishwasher or use your sanitizing spray, whatever you got. do what you got to do to make sure things stay nice and super clean, but nothing beyond what common sense would tell you to do. So if you do those things um, and you have a healthy animal, you're going to end up with a really delicious milk. Now, some breeds of goats do produce a really goaty milk, um, especially the kinds that are, you know, mountain breeds from Switzerland or France. Those are Mm -hmm. meant to have that really strong quote unquote, goaty flavor Um, for the types of cheeses that they're making. They desire that flavor. So there are some goats that have um, unique flavorings in their milk, but typically the dairy goats are going to find in the United States and um, Canada, they're going to be goats that produce a milk that tastes really sweet and um, almost indistinguishable from cow milk. We really prefer it to cow milk, honestly. Yeah. I we have dairy goats ourselves and what one thing I've noticed is when the milk if you don't get to it 
within like a few days, if you don't do anything with it Mm -hmm. and it just sits there, it does tend to change. The flavor does tend to change, just like you said, because it is a more fragile milk. That's what our our observation has been. But then Mm -hmm. again, you know, it it just depends on the on the breed as well. Yeah. So much depends on the breed and and handling. I know if I rapid chill my milk and I keep things super clean. Um, my milk will taste sweet for up to two weeks. So I don't wow. get a goaty flavor the longer it, I mean, it will get less sweet. So that may be what you're just talking about Yeah, is mm-hmm. a flavor. There is a flavor change, right? Like, mm-hmm. but, um, it doesn't ever taste goaty. I will say that my milk doesn't usually taste goaty. No, I've if never it does, then you can it. start addressing like, okay, what is, what do we need to do here? Um, right. maybe we need to up minerals or, um, or check a goat and make sure that they don't have mastitis or something going on. Right. And mastitis is just uh, ugly. No fun. (laughs) Not fun at all. (laughs) So, you know, the the goat flavor, the the, just the whole goaty flavor of milk is just always off-putting to people, but really super encourage people to go try to find somebody local who's producing that type of milk. Um, who's producing goat milk um, in your local area and try to drink that milk fresh. Um, Have there been any other, going back to the health benefits, have there been any other health benefits that you've seen in your family without divulging your family's personal business, but have there been any other health benefits that you've seen, especially transforming from being a vegan to not a vegan and drinking and eating food that you've produced on your homestead, what are the benefits, the health benefits that you've seen personally? So we've definitely seen um, lots of progress in gut health for our whole family, um, just getting quality animal products into our diets. Um, And uh, just generally even hormones for myself, right? Like those are just so much more regulated when you have animal-based products in your diet. Um, we've also had the eczema issues disappear. Like I had mentioned, um, previously, my husband absolutely loves having the raw goat milk. He's a huge, um, (laughs) he just absolutely loves it. Um, he's into lifting weights these days and drinking milk is a very big part of his morning routine. So he's mm-hmm. actually really sad that they're dry right now. Um, they should be kidding here in just a couple of weeks. So we'll have, we'll be back in milk oh, soon. Wow. <laughs> yes. <Wow. laughs> um, but yeah, mostly I'd say really great for gut health, dental health too. Um, milk is so, so great. And if anyone is curious about that, you can look into the works of Dr. Weston A. Price, um, but raw milk is just absolutely wonderful for um, for your dental health as well as your gut health, mm-hmm. just your health in general. <laughs> yep. We are all about that, that foundation here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They are awesome. Well, Sarah, we're wrapping up this interview today. And if there is anything, if you had to do a sales pitch, if you had to just pitch it to somebody and say, they're on the fence. They're thinking I should probably get goats. Maybe mm-hmm. I should do it, but I'm just, I'm just a little bit scared. It's a little scary. I don't know that I can do it. What would you say to that listener? I'd say 
go for it for one thing. I think if <laughs> if you have the room, right, if you have the space, but you don't need a lot of space for goats. So if you have a property where you can have them and you have the support of your family, right? Don't go behind anyone's back. <laughs> um, end well. Go for it. And um, and certainly there's so many resources out there in this day and age, um, so much that you can learn. Um, and I think so often we can get analysis paralysis and you grow afraid to try something and you feel the need to learn absolutely everything. And I do think, I mean, don't just dive into something without knowing um, your, what you need to know about it, right? Um, this is a living creature and we want to make sure that we give them our best as we care for them. Um, but so much is learning on the go. So if you know the basic um, needs of a goat, um, what they need to eat, what kind of shelter that they need, what kind of minerals and such, and what kind of um, medical supplies you need to keep on hand and things you need to know, you're going to be great to go. Um, I highly recommend um, getting to know someone in your area who may have dairy goats. That's a really great place to start. If you're, if you can find someone who's willing to have you out and kind of show you what they do, because so much does depend on um, your climate and how you would take care of these animals. What I need here in Arizona is going to be different than what someone needs in the Midwest um, exactly. to properly care for their goats. So finding someone local to you, um, getting some of these books I had mentioned and getting on YouTube, you know, there's lots of great stuff out there. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly share a lot on my Instagram about the care and management of our goats. Um, but there's so much, so many great resources out there these days. Awesome. And Sarah, just so that it's said verbally, if anybody wants to follow you, um, let us know. What is your Instagram handle? Sure thing. So I'm um, at the nest in the West. And so it's the dash nest dot in dot the dot West. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and then you also mentioned, is, is that the only other place that a person can find you or so you can also find me? I have a blog, the nest in the West.com. I also have a YouTube channel, also the mm -hmm. nest in the West that's in its infancy. So we'll be putting more videos out there. Um, I teach a goat milk cheese making course as well. And I have a little ebook all about that as well as free goat milk cheese making recipes on my YouTube channel. But you can find all of that information um, on my website, um, thenestinthewest.com. And I'm going to be relaunching my course here really soon in the next few months. So I'm excited to share that with everyone. Great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being, like I said, a willing participant here on the Two Acre Homestead to be interviewed. And um, again, if you have any questions, go ahead and contact Sarah. Go ahead and follow her. I know we do around here. So it's been great having you. And from all of us to all of you, wherever, wherever you are in the world, happy homesteading. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa.